This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Tzfarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. I remember many years ago, I think it was 12 years ago, or 11 if I'm not mistaken, I was a broker sitting in the Wai'u based Medrash, and we had the things close of hearing at Tamil from Silver Spring, who's going to be coming to address the, the base Medrash. Um, somebody who I did not know at the time, but uh, Rehan Lepiansky came to the Wai'u based Medrash. I still remember vividly to this day what, what he spoke about, and I can have the chutzpah to share um, those, uh, some of that Torah. I think it's a perfect way of introducing, introducing Rebbe. So Rehan spoke about how Klai saw Har Sinai were Rome at the Kolos, that they saw the Kolos of Har Sinai. They saw the sounds. What does that exactly represent in terms of the depth of seeing sounds? And if, I hope I'm accurately presenting what Rehan so beautifully spoke about at the time, but the difference between Re'i and Shmi is that Re'i is you could take an entire scene in one fell swoop. You could see an entire landscape in one second. You could see the entirety of a text. You could see everything. But Kolak has that broad spread. As opposed to Shmi, which definitionally involves syllables, smaller segments being put together and strung together into a larger, a larger picture. Shmi can't be done at once, otherwise you can't hear anything. A lot of times there are people who see only the re'iya. They see the entirety of the forest and they can't access, per se, the details that need to be incorporated together to create that larger picture. On the other hand, there are people who only see the shmi'ah, the, the smaller syllables, maybe stringing together into one larger sentence. And the godless of Al-Qaeda achieved at Harsinai and the, the greatness of this godless of Harsinai was Rome Metakolos. That at the same time that they were experiencing the totality of a Baruch Hu's expression, a Baruch Hu's Givo Yishkina, Kodesh Baruch expressing his Ratzon, they felt all the details of court formulating together into one larger picture, as if there was no distinction. Rome is the Kolos, they could see the Kolos, the forest, the trees, everything was one at the same time, they were able to experience all of it at the same time. There, there are many tremendous things to be able to, uh, I, there, I, I can't even have the chutzpah to talk about the other things that we want to talk about, but I, I have had this course over the last, since I had that initial opportunity to hear of Lubyansky, of um, I, I recall cyber-stalking him. Um, I've been cyber-stalking him for a very long time. Um, I recommend that all of you do the same. And, and it's, there's so much to talk about, but one thing that Rofiansky is so, it's so incredible to experience is you feel like you're at Matantora Roma Tacopos. You feel the nuance, the details, coming together into a larger, broader picture, never losing sight of a Kodesh Baruch Hu's Gilo Shkina, of a Kodesh Baruch Hu's larger picture of Rosh Hashanah as it imbues itself into every single detail, every single ship of Shulchan Aruch, every single little piece of Machshava, the broader picture is always there in every single little detail. And we feel like it's a tremendous risk for you guys to have a little taste of that Torah. That's Hashem to start your journey for the same, the same type of um, feeling of Roma Sakovas. So it's a tremendous risk to have to hear words of Torah from Rebbe. So Rebbe Yassi is going to share first initial, initial, uh, initial shir, and then we'll have the opportunity for the Q&A that some of you guys submitted questions for. Thank you so much, Rebbe. Very special to be here. One of our very chashur bachrim, uh, one of the mashkiach by us is from Vaseret, and he's Baruch Hashem, the uh, potential the, uh, pillar of the yeshiva of Vaser. He'll be here probably at some point. And we have a bachur today who is a ruach of the yeshiva, Yechiel Hyman, who's uh, a graduate over here. I wouldn't call him a graduate, he's somebody who's part and parcel of the yeshiva and very much um, brings tremendous uh, assets to yeshiva.
so if we, if we keep producing bachem like that, it's, uh, it's amazing. I wanted to share something on the on the parsha. Um, Mishpatim is one of those parshas that because it's so full of halachas, we tend to we don't even bother to to take a look and understand what we learn mitzad um, musar, I guess, from it. In Inkesa Talva, the parasha tells us about the mitzvah um, of lending money to a poor person and about the need not to pester him and to mask him, also of halachas. Chazal speak a lot in this parasha, the Medrash. One of the Medrashim goes on a pasuk, it says, Ish toiv a good person is gracious and lends out, and he measures all his ways with mishpat, which is it's, it's sort of axiomatic. We're talking about a great, kind-hearted person to somebody who sticks to the letter of the law. The pasuk itself really asks for some sort of hesed, but Chazal seem to they just they, they address the imkasatalva. And they say that if you look around in the Bria, every element of the Bria is borrowing from every other element. It says this, the morning, the day borrows from the night, and the night from the day. Meaning, the, the Pshat, the way it's on the, uh, explained is, in the winter, the, um, the night is longer, so it's borrowing part of the day. In the summer, the day is longer and it's borrowing part of the night. Oyer is, is borrowed from the Shemesh because light comes from Shemesh. Shemesh borrowed from Oyer, the Oyer is our Godel, and so on. A back and forth about all the different elements in the Bria that borrow and lend to each other. What are Chazal trying to say? What are Chazal trying to tell us with that? It's strange. I, I mean, it's, it's yeah, the sun bars from the, the night, night bars from the sun. What, what exactly are Chazal telling us? It's a long list of things where different parts borrow from different parts. What's the point Chazal is trying to say? Is it to encourage us? I'll be honest, if I have a hard time lending money, um, the fact that the sun bars from the, from the light and the light bars from the sun is not going to really motivate me terribly much. If you, if you tell me somebody else lends a lot of money, maybe it'll motivate me. So I think Chazal with the Pasuk and the Mashal are trying to give us a fundamental perspective on lending money. Lending money in some cases is a bigger mitzvah than giving tzedakah in the hierarchy of mitzvahs. And it requires a different attitude. I want to explain what that is. When somebody is lacking his farm did not grow any crops. Whatever it was, it, 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 didn't, it didn't work it right, the rain didn't fall right, and so on. So he's missing, and I have. That's Emmett. When I give him, I'm a giver, and he's a taker. And there's no two ways about it. So, I'm good-hearted, I'm kind-hearted, I give, but at the end of the day, the relationship is clear. I'm giving, and he's taking. Okay, and this is on and on. Every time I have um, this person doesn't understand how to do something, I understand. I'm brighter than him. 
I teach him how to do it. So I have the understanding, he doesn't. And, 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 and I give to him. So no matter how hard I try, it's clear that there's a relationship of a superior and inferior. I'm giving, and he's getting, and that's it. There's a second type of interaction. And that interaction is interaction of lending and borrowing. Let's give a marshal. Imagine a person has a company. And the company has a lot of divisions. And they, and they deliver many products. So there's a line of trucks that deliver sodas, and a line of truck delivers uh, vegetables, a line of truck delivers that. that that's new. One day, there's a big party. Someone ordered a tremendous amount of soda, and he doesn't have enough trucks. So he calls up and says, any other lines have slack? Yes. The fruit and vegetable line has slack. Send over half a dozen trucks. We'll use that. Two days later, somebody is making some sort of chasana, uh, and they need more of this or that. And they send trucks from the other division. No one feels that there's, a, there's a, somebody less and somebody more. It's an organism, and the give and take is the organism. It's just like in the body. Um, the, 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 the blood supplies nutrients to different organs, and, and so the blood will supply nutrients to every organ, including, let's say, the stomach or the intestines, and the intestines will have the nutrients that get absorbed into the blood. So the giving and taking of halvar is the reality. It achesed means it strays in reality. The reality is you didn't have anything to eat. I had what to eat, and I gave to you. Halvar Chazal are showing us that the Bria is set up in a way where interaction requires there are times when I'll have what to give to you, and there are times when you'll have what to give to me. So Halvar is a concept that, that makes Chesed into a reality instead of an aberration. And I think that that's the shot in the Pasuk. I think Chazal are trying to understand that the Pasuk. It, it says, Ish Toiv is Chayne Nomalve. Toiv Ish Chayne Nomalve. A good person, when he gives and lends, Yechal Kodrocha B'Mishpat means he's able to interpret it in the realm of Mishpat as Chesed. I, I want to um, I want to broaden it a moment into something that is um, relevant to us. I would say so. Baruch Hashem, I, I don't imagine there are major financial um, give and takes over here. I don't think that people are are, are investing so it's now without the bachim. It's not, that's how we're holding. But people, when they turn for help, somebody has a harder time with the tasters than I have. Somebody has a harder time sitting, sitting and learning. Somebody, somebody has a harder time getting along, and so on. We can look at giving as giving, which is we're giving, but at the end of the day, it leaves me superior and him inferior. That's short of a real chesed, and it's short of the emiss. The emiss is, I have my deficiencies. 
and you're going to be supplying it at some point. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but they after. All of Klal is linked together like an organism. And what you have, I'm going to be taking, or I have, you're going to be taking. So the chesed that we do is really mechal kodrocha b'nishma. Just like the entire Bria, and this is something that ecology, science always gives us bigger vision to understand Dark Hashem. This understanding of ecology, how every single nivra is dependent on every other single nivra, and it's always give and take. That's Klal specifically as a Klal, is like that. Everybody has things that contribute, and everyone has deficiencies. When we give, we need to understand we're not giving. We're, we're, we're rearranging um, the, 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 the assets of Christ as a whole. And today I have what to give in one place. Tomorrow he's going to have to give to me. I'm going to have to take from him. So we're neither taking. We're all borrowing and, and, and giving back. That's, so it takes Chesed to a very entire different madrega of Mishpat. This is the reality, this is Metziah. It's, 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 a, it's a way to take Albert Adam Chavero and elevate it because it makes us humble. We're not, we're not givers, we're participants. And the other person is not, it, it elevates the other person. He's not a taker, he's sharing. Today, today he's the one aspiring. Tomorrow, he's giving back the other one's five. Now, that's a, a thought that I, I had on the parish that I thought I'd like to share with you. Okay, what would you like to share with me? That's uh, okay. I'll start with some of the questions that were... Let's start with Inyana Dioma. She's going to be watching the Super Bowl. What are the oh. considerations for following watching sports generally for Bento? I must say that I failed. I was sure we're talking about the war in Gaza. <laughs> but I didn't know there was such an important event that overshadows everything. And, and is, uh, there was a boy in the, in the, there was a boy in, I asked in the, uh, in the school, he was a seventh, eighth grader. And he asked me, came over and asked me, Shaila, if you're allowed to daven for the Ravens to win or to lose. I, I'm not sure which one, one of the two. Uh, by the way, I guess Maima Muska, last night I met him in me yeshiva, and the person is a Ben Peir Shakur and learning. So I guess it's a good start. I don't know, I don't know if it's a cause or whatever it is, but, but, but he says he got somewhere. And I told him I'm very, very happy to, to hear that question, because I understand from that question that all sick people have been healed, all poor people have what to eat, and all single people have found their spouses. And now we're up to the next important thing, which is, who's going to win the game? So, I, 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 I want to, I, I don't want to approach it with Asa, Mutta, and Islam. I'd like a general thing. There are things that are core values. That's Torah. There are things that are created that have value. Science, expressions, the, the world of Secular, called secular values, which means they can become part and parcel of Yeshua Shal Olam, of mitzvahs. Akadshvaruchu's chachma, kulam b'chachma sisa. So the core chachma of the world, 
and the core Metzius of the world is Taylor, Rats Hashem. He expressed it in the physical world, and when a person looks around and sees things and understands things, it, in many ways, is useful. It's useful to improve the world, which is a positive thing. It's useful to understand Darche Hashem. We can learn a lot from that to this. And a person is doing so, Ashim but, but, but that, that has value. And then there's the world of fantasy, which really um, not only doesn't have value, but in a certain sense, when a person moves from a world of reality to fantasy, there's a certain element of sheker. In other words, sports in terms of physical exercise is extremely positive. People need physical work, and people need to keep their health, and, and physical activity is very important. But now I create a world, a, a world that has no meaning, really. Um, getting a ball into a certain spot, whether it's a net on top, or a net on, on, on the bottom, or, or, or a fence, it has zero value, means nothing, and is nothing. So, really, I've created a world of fantasy because we're bored. People work very hard, you know, to have much less interest in it. It's, it's sort of, we're, we're a culture where we're allowed not to, and we created a world that we excite ourselves with things, and it, so our emotions and our feelings are all involved with things that don't mean anything. So, from a, from a critically, from a critical MS point of view, not being part of that is is is, is important. Not not fantasizing when the fantasy is Kolo Shekhar, and it's one of the problems with movies. It, it, we create a world that's not real, and emotions that are synthetic, and 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 expectations that don't exist, and and descriptions of life that don't exist. Um, if a person gets his ideas about family life from movies, he, he's, he's going no place. So the idea of having any type of fantasy world that we, um, that we adore and are into is Shekhar. Let's be blunt. On the other hand, we have, to be, we have to be real. We are there. We grew up with it. That's a world we grew up in and so on. So if a person can wean himself off it, by thinking about it. So yes, people need to chill out, and it's harmless, and, and, and so on, but the more we're able to wean ourselves off it, the more we're living with emits, with reality. It, it, it's, a, it's a world that means nothing, and, and when, when they started Lakewood Yeshiva way back when, um, in the 40s, late 40s or something, so um, if somebody clued in Reb Nosson that Babe Ruth had died. I'm not sure when he died, but it must have been saying that Kufa. And Dailam is talking about it. So he said, fine. He said, I'll say, I'll say a few words to cover this day. <laughs> he said, Rabbi Said, I heard we just lost somebody who could take a stick and hit a ball further than anybody else. How is the world going to be able to get along without him from their life? It, you know, it, it was it was obviously <coughs> cheek, but the point is, I need to know what's valuable and what's not valuable, what's a fantasy, what's not a fantasy, and we know, we're maturing, we see a world that's real, we see a world that's emis, 
and sort of weaning away from it. Each person is own. I'm not going to tell you. Know, it's, it's obviously, for, uh, to make a rough and sudden changes in life is never a healthy thing. But understanding direction and why we're doing it, what we're doing, I, I think it is is appropriate. Real money deal, There are many things that we are now considering going to Tzahal and speaking to Rebbeim about it and to each other about it, especially given what's going on there as well. What does Rebbeim think should be their considerations going forward in terms of making this decision? I think important in it is a certain maturity. Whatever the age, the age now is an age of tremendous inspiration. The age meaning the age that you're in. And people make some very positive and important and important moves in life based on a tremendous surge of idealism and so on, where the person decides to dedicate his life to learning, where the person decides to go to town, where the person decides to do whatever they decide to do. It, it is. It's an age. The song um, says about Yosef, Unar, that a nar, meaning like a teenager, is um, somebody, he comes from the word like his orus. The word er means to be awake, his orus. It's a time of tremendous surge of energy. And he says the problem is he doesn't know so sofarkal. In other words, wisdom speaks with a span of many years, and it sees a, a, um, a it sees a long a swath of time and is able to tell where does it take you. And Anar has the ability to sort of um, to, what, a tremendous surge of emotion and willingness to change and so on. That's what Akash put in each kufa. So the inspiration to go into the Olsen is very, very positive. It's, it's, it's much better than the, than football, uh, than the Super Bowl. But uh, anything, whatever, and I'm talking about whether a person decides to make a radical change in terms of yeshiva, whatever it is, talking to somebody who who can stand back and see the person, the trajectory, the positives, the difficulties, and, and be able to um, help the person make a wise decision. What I would say is the idealism and the emotions are the engine of a person. The seichel is the brakes and the steering wheel. So without an engine, you're dead, and you're going no place. With an engine and no brakes, and steering wheel, you're also dead. You, you, uh, have the two together where somebody can help steer and say, what's the right time, what's the right time, who's the right person, where will it take you, what are your challenges going to be, I think is very important. So speaking with the Rebbeim and being able to mull it over each person, what's appropriate for them, I think that's the way to go. With the war dragging on, Rebbe's spoken a lot about the importance of Nosebo on Kadero. And, and feeling that dire. And I'm sure Rebbe's been getting this question a lot, but we all need to look at it. And as Rebbe recommends, still feeling that dire as unfortunately it's dire, and it goes on and on and on, and it becomes much, much easier to continue with daily life as, as it. So I've quoted a few times the Gemara in Baba Basra at the end of Hasabatim. It says that people, after Chomrits and Migdash, they came to Rebbe sure they, they stopped. Rebbe sure heard that there were people that stopped eating meat and wine, because how can we eat meat and wine, no karbanis, no masachim? So he said, okay, so then we can't eat bread because of menachas. So he said, okay, we'll eat fruit. He said, what about bikurim? And then finally he told them, uh, we won't drink water. 
because of Netzachim, because of, of, of uh, based on the and so on. So at the end of the day, he told them, we can't do what we can't do. Emotions come in surges. That's the truth. Even people will Olayna lose somebody very close. When you lose a parent, it's very, very difficult. And there's Oinon, and there's Gimel, and there's Shiva, and there's Shleishim, and there's a year. And then, Yinalabim is Abu Mor, so you keep a Yarset. There's a certain way of understanding when the events happen and when they're full force, we have real emotions. Our voter today is to make a permanent zechor of sorts. In other words, we know with our seichel what's happening. We know with our seichel the people that are there that are in imminent danger. We know that the future is so unsure. No one, no one even thinks that they even have a solution. To keep something so doing things as long as there are troops there, I'll refrain from A, B, or C. It has to be something that has meaning, but can actually be done for, for a longer time. The wisdom is, and again, this is a place where emotion, and understanding that no matter how strong I feel at this moment, I'm not going to be able to keep this or that. So I need to do something that I can be consistent, and it won't drive me to a place where I, 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 I'm sort of in a corner. And to spend, I, I suggest, at least when we say Reino Vanyenu, just to think that are people who have children there, people who have parents there, people who are still in Beshevi there, just to go through it so that we have a tendency of relegating things, the mind works that way, that that which is not new gets relegated to, to sort of a back, to bring it to the forefront, just to keep that going. Again, the point is, things that can be done consistently, central help which should be over sooner than, than, than later, but we don't know. It should be something that's something we refrain from, and some time during the day when we we keep we refresh that memory the in the out. This is a question. Um, why does everybody believe that areas traditionally Haredi such as B'nai Brak and Neisham are very dirty? <laughs> um, it's it's a first Ramban. Ramban came to Israel to Shlaim, and he and he <coughs> found it to be like Meisharim, and he said Manoira Mokom is there, and Ezek Yibesolakim. And he said, Any place smoke on the The truth is, um, there are some objective reasons, things to talk about. First of all, they're very overcrowded. That's one. Two, the um, the emphasis the, the, the emphasis is a lot on the internal thing, the family eating food, the external running a public thoroughfare has suffered. We, we, it's something that the change to Israel has been a change where we're responsible for the public affair that hasn't caught up. Those are all reasons, I guess, that would make that would be like that. It's, it's the it's the physical conditions. Most of these neighborhoods are very very crowded. A lot of kids can hire, and it's very difficult to. to, to it's not built 
So to maintain that's one of the problems. When people built areas, it was meant to hold a certain amount of X amount of diapers would be would be changed in this area. When it's five times many diapers, seriously, it's, it's, it's a problem. There also was a certain the sense of public thoroughfare, the sense of the public being um, that there be someone we can identify as public select. And, and those, are, those are things that I think are um, will change, I think. They're, they're, they're changing some way, but it, it is part of, of that social makeup. Um, how do we know when it's appropriate to make an external change? I think a lot of what the community we're thinking about is in terms of let's say more classical halakhic things, just taking on a dobbing jacket or a hat, or changing the color of dress, and those types of things, what kind of iterative you can give in terms of being a yeshiva or yeshiva like us? So, a, a few things. First of all, having a mentor, a Rebbe figure, a mentor who can help guide you if this is A, a healthy change, Sometimes a person makes a, a, a radical change because he's running away from a problem, or he thinks this will solve his problem. Two, um, it's something where it's not uncommon. If it's people in, in yeshiva tend, they, they change, they become more serious, and so on, and it's a normal change, that's something to also speak. It, it, it's, it's, it's really, a lot of these things depend where it's coming from. There's a story, the, the Rabshitzer was once watching his Chassidim dance, and he looked at their feet, and he pointed to one and said, this person is soaring to Shemayim. Then he pointed to another person's feet, and he said, this person is wearing out a perfectly good pair of shoes. In other words, the same dancing, for one person it was an aliyah, for another person it was, it was just, uh, a, you know, a... A physical motion. So, working with somebody who understands you and understands is this an appropriate change or not? And Rabbi Shalevitz, when he came to our Yisrael, so it's very interesting. When I came to the Mir in 1970, the Mishpacha, the kids of, of, their, of the families, of Chaim's kids, of Nachum's kids, did not wear black hats when they were by mitzvah, they wore caps. And they wouldn't put on a hat until they were like 20, or 18, 19, 20, that was the age. With the Americans came, it was just unfair. Like they were the only ones with caps, so like they, like they, they also began to change. But Reb Chaim, in, I don't know if they have it there in Shlaim, in my days, some of the Prussian used to put shlaimels on their kids' heads. So you had an eight-year-old walking in with a shlaimel. Like, first time you saw it was kind of stunning. Yes, it's up, I mean, married so young, but then they, they figured out, no, it was just like, it was just But Chaim Shavitz once said something. He said, when you wear a shlaimel at the age of eight, you will always remain the age of eight. In other words, it should be a marker. It's not going to cause the difference. It should, it should be a marker of, 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 of a change in a person. Um, and there was, so, so changes that are external, you want somebody to feel it's the right change, it's the right move, and so on. There was somebody in Ibarasi and Shibu came, fine boy, kind of more modern background, dressed more modern. <coughs> and one day, 
he, he put on a white shirt, a, a jacket, this, that, the whole... And I asked him, why? He said, Rebbe, I said to myself, if I learn like a Venteria, I talk like Venteria, I act like a Venteria, and I think like a Venteria, why should I look like a Venteria? So that's a very good reason. So, yes, if, if the garment is, is expressing something um, that, that's who, who you are, then this is appropriate. That's the... There's been a lot of talk about carrying guns in Eretz Yisrael, obviously, but also in America. And um, wondering what Rebbe's discussion is in terms of Jews carrying guns, obviously less of, in Eretz Yisrael, even more so in America, where there's also talk of that going on. It's very fun. Someone, someone asked this this question at at the was at the Gura convention. Some presented that question. And he asked, it's very important to save lives, or whatever it is. So I said, you know, it's very interesting. Statistically, defibrillators have saved a lot more lives than guns. I never heard such excitement. That, wow, we're getting defibrillator from the show. It's amazing. We're going to have defibrillators. Maybe we'll put two of them in the show. And, and I have a defibrillator in the apartment. People were just very nonchalant. Yeah, I think it's important to have. And we and need to train two people. So, how come? I mean, objectively, more people, many people's lives have been saved because of it. I've never heard that amazing excitement about false depression. The answer is because there's two dinim. They're saving their lives, and there's an excitement. There's guns for protection, there's a gun culture. You feel macho, you feel good about yourself. It comes with a lot more. I'm very wary of that. In other words, I would like to sit down with somebody who is um, an objective security person. A person that does his job work and say, guns carry themselves a risk. And that is, that can go off, people are killed from accidental gunshots. It's part of it. I haven't heard anyone being killed from accidental defibrillation. But, but accidental gunshots, unfortunately, are there. And it creates also culture. People get into it. It satisfies another part besides security, which is not a healthy part of a person. The idea to be, you know, bravado and macho and gun and this and that. In America especially, it, 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 people have to get used to something. In our stroll, we'll either stand and fight or we're gone. It's our country, tactless, and that's what we have to do. In America, it's not your country. If every Jew took a gun and people didn't like you, um, you, you I don't, I'm not going to finish a sentence. You're not the majority. You're not going to get anywhere by the basis of that. Now, being able to deal with it with just pure seichel, with logic, with reason, is the way to go. And that's why people just having guns it's, I mean, I haven't, you know, it's, it's not something which seems now to be the thing that could present issues. And, and what happens if somebody comes in and scrolls a swastika on a house, you pull out a gun and kill him? It could be a lot of problems. It, it's, it's very, very not pushing. Someone comes, uh, uh, a drunk controller comes and he, and he pushes you and he says, do something about it. Then you pull out a gun and kill him. You, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. And the community is going to be in a lot of trouble. Not push it. So, so, so the having the guns should be something done on the basis of seichel. Somebody, if you consult somebody, consult a person and say, 
what are the chances that this will be helpful under what cases or what circumstance how I go about it then like every security measure like having locked doors like having buzzers but not as part of that culture and, and that sort of the, the spontaneous popular gun culture how do we continue to grow and get closer to our Yiddishkeit but not lose our personality so the truth is that every single l- let's let's take an example. Revolva has a similar example, and I think it's a very it's, it's, it's a very good marshal. When you have a mob and everybody does their own things, you have a chorum. Mobs don't don't do anything good. You go to the army and. If everybody, so the army's the basic training basically takes away, quote unquote, your individuality. You do what you're told, when you're told, whether it makes sense to you or not, and basically you're a number. But then, if 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 you keep Rosh Khatan on the battlefield, there's not slacha. It's people go above and beyond in ways that are incredible with their talents with the Mrs. Nefesh and so on. So we recognize an army starts off by being, by losing your sense of self and understanding you're part of something bigger and then finding yourself as the expression of that which is bigger. That's how a good army works. A good army works when people will follow orders and then carry them out to their unique own abilities. That's what Torah is like. Torah first takes me and makes me an Ebed Hashem, which means it starts by giving up what I want. Then, I have to ask myself, what does Hashem want of me? What am I uniquely suited for? One person is inspired davening. One person is incessant learning. One person is doing for the cloud. One person is being able to work with people and deal with people that are not easy and difficult and many other things. So it's a two-step process. It's exactly like the army. It starts with basic training, which is a zbatlus, and it ends with realizing yourself. Because I lose myself as me, but what quote-unquote organ am I of a Kaddish Baruch Hu? Kaddish Baruch Hu gave every single person a unique mission. And then I have to ask myself, I have a world that I'm part of, and I have my unique Christ. So it's a twofold process, and it's an ongoing twofold process. We, 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 we refrain from doing things we're not allowed to do, we push ourselves to things we have to do, and we look for what is us and understand we're realizing ourselves at the end. This, this might be a long question, but we can take it in direction, but. Then you can speak personally about Rebbe's rebellion. Um, maybe somebody remembered before Rebbe came to the mirror, and then in the mirror, um, and on that note also, in terms of our Talmudim, who probably should have relationships with Rebbe here, but also are going to be visiting outside the yeshiva, how should they establish relationships with Rebbe that last? And as they go forward in life, outside a formal institution, what should those relationships look like going forward? Um, it, it, it's, it, I mean, to, to speak about it, it's my life. It's myself. <laughs> you know, I, I was so 
to have a relationship with many extraordinary people. Um, and I guess the common denominator was there was a certain sense of emiss and a certain sense of a person that their world is entirely a ruchnistic world in different ways. Mm-hmm. Very hard to it, 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 it's hard to put everybody in one back. There's so many. I'm, I'm, I, I also look now when I was growing up. I walked into me Yeshiva at age, I wasn't 17 yet when I came. And it was huge. There were 300 people in the Yeshiva book. 300 people. I, I was overwhelmed. Today, a, a Yeshiva that's not doing well, that's 300 bucks. That, you know, like, ma, that's so smart. You know, and, and I look at my, I have brought many children at Israel and grandchildren many. And I'm, I'm, I'm really kind of, I don't know, I have torn mixed feelings about being in Yeshiva with a thousand bucks. Um, so having a relationship and having somebody to up to and, and I think what's important also to bear in mind is that there's two things you can admire great things in great people um, was a paradigm of what it means a person's whole world was called a tyrant and to admire that and to see that as a unique accomplishment of a person on, on, a, on a giant mountaintop is incredible. But is that exactly the derech for me? Is that exactly a, a road I can follow? There are people, Damsha Vreba, Damsha around the clock. It's a, 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 I, I used to go, when I was here, I used to go to, to various things whenever I could, Hanukkah or Pesach there once, whatever. But can I actually, can that be me? No, it's not me. So it's important to be able to see big things and be able to appreciate godless. And it's also important to have somebody that you feel understands you, has a seichel ayasher, and can be helpful in making decisions. Um, so finding a yeshiva, when I came to the mirror, it still was, I mean, the people were giants. With Reb Chaim was harder to have a real Kesha. Reb Chaim was older. He, he also, he couldn't hear. And he was also, there was a certain aimer. Like, he was at a point where you couldn't feel comfortable. Reb Nachman was full approachable. In learning, you could speak to him all the time. But even Millard Alma, an advice, you could speak to him. There were many other very Hashem people there. That I was so hurt. I mean, I, I wonder about this story today where we have these mega yeshivas. But finding a makom and looking, there are things you can identify people that you look up to, even if it's not something that you can follow. And the people that have, somewhere along the line, this is a derech that you could go into. And the person has the wisdom to guide you in a way that will, and doesn't have to be the head of the, the makom. In the mirror, when I came, one of the extraordinary beauties of it was, besides the giant Rashivas, they're hanging the life that were big people. They were in the life in the late thirties, early forties, who were Nushim Vidolin. And maybe they weren't famous yet, but they were big people and you felt it. And and it was very helpful that you could build a cashier. You ask, you talk and, and you see if you're able if you're able to click and and to um, and to talk then you gain immensely. So so both of these things occasionally going to see somebody who's very big and just admiring godless of people there are many different formats of godless and then having somebody personal 
who you feel it's, it's a mahalach that you can go on but and, and has the, the, the wisdom to, to guide you consistently and, and, and with the right steps to that direction then he told me to ask me about um, getting a, a broader understanding of Jewish history and how to start with that so besides listening to Rovianski's biographical sketches, which we're going to call the fish for right now, <laughs> besides that, what would Rebbe recommend for a black who doesn't feel like he has such good grounding in it to start getting more of a sense of Jewish history? It's, it's, it's very difficult, and I, I want to um, I want to express a certain difficulty. I was speaking last time with so some I went to see somebody, Professor Klebanski, I don't know if you've been he's written a book on the Jewish on the um, on the tkufa of uh, the Jewish yeshiva about the yeshivas the Olamah yeshivas between the wars he himself was born in Vilna I assume right at the, right at the end of the war he grew up until he was like 10 years old then made aliyah served in intelligence in the army I think he was a colonel if I'm not mistaken and uh, then he went into Jewish history and he's a firm person um, our local person and we're talking I'm, I'm fascinated me because he wrote about a lot of things that my father had been in that school in Europe and, and we're talking about academic uh, uh, books versus oral and he said he was at a certain um, get together at, at, at a convention academic convention and a certain person presented a, a paper about the Chazanish and the person showed from different places the Chaznish's writings about the, how the Chaznish was severe, mean, no sense of humor, um, unfriendly. So the person got up and in the middle of the presentation and said, Excuse me, I knew the Chaznish personally. He is nothing like you described him. Zero. And he was this warm, friendly, sensitive, caring person. Yes, he was backing halacha. And the problem is, you have people who want to present a certain rookistic image that don't bother a lot of times to even check facts and stuff. Someone showed me recently he was writing something, and I told him this story could not have happened. The, 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 it's impossible. The dates can't work. And the person was, but I heard it myself. I said, it could be, but, but, but it's an impossibility. It just never could have happened. No, you know, and and uh, the first, so it is a problem. There was a tendency to rely on the rule of the story and to carry that. On the other hand, and that you always frame it in the way you understand it. Every there's no such thing as a person writing a story doesn't have an agenda, because we're people. So a telephone book is probably the only history work that doesn't have an agenda. It doesn't make for good reading. You'll know everything about New York by reading the phone book, and you'll know nothing. I mean, if God forbid you have to to read through a phone book, but 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 you'll 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 know nothing about New York reading the phone book. So it's always going to be a balance. The first question I always say: a biography says more about the person writing the biography than 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 the the biography itself, because you present things in a certain way. Do I give a person benefit of doubt? Do I start with the attitude that this person meant to say I am? And some stories I don't understand, some I still understand. It, it's hard. There are certain, I mean, I can tell you, I have a, a very good cover, Jonathan Rosenblum. He's written, his, his biographies, they're masterpieces. 
because he's a Bentayra, and he's also very weighty. And everything, he, whoever he wrote about, he examined every single piece about the person, and wrote about different sides, different aspects. And, and I found that to be extremely good. He's written about Rabbi Yaakov, about Desla, um, about Rabbi Weinberg, and he writes the issues, the challenges, the, 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 you know, some of the pushbacks. There were different, different parts, and understanding it is important. It's hard. I, I, you know, it's, it's hard to be able to recommend something specific. I, I, do, I can tell you John Rosen's biographies are astounding. I know how much he agonized over different parts of the two pieces. Um, and, and, and understand that the, the, if, if the person has a positive <coughs> sense, they want to say, Bianca Kamenevsky, what should be a starring's approach? I don't remember the exact words, but basically it was some of the lines. Akadish Baruch unfolding his Ashkacha. From the Rishainim, from the, from the, from the Maccabi Atayra, each generation revealed more parts. There were challenges each generation, there were problems. But, but there's a certain continuity. We fought a lot of battles with Kairoyim, with Stukim, and with, 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 with Nitrim, with Muslimim with um, socialists there, there were many forces that attacked Israel spiritually and we suffered and we regrouped and we came back to win and each one of them was Mechazek Israel. so finding works first of all ask the person who's writing me who is he what is he that's the first that's the first you say if you're comfortable with the person then you have to see does the person bring Sources for what they're writing, and I try very hard. Now, I, I started biographies as many as the Malka, and and I usually preface it by saying, "Where did I get my information from? How can I speak about something lived 300 years ago, 400 years ago, 800 years ago?" The Rambam, where did I get where, where wrote stories about the Rambam? Where did, where is he coming from? It, it, but the best place to come from is the personal writings in in the Shuvas form of a, of a lot of these people. You understand what's going on at the time. What are the challenges? You know, how do you go about it? What were the challenges of each store and how were they overcome? It's not easy. I, I, I wish I could suggest something more specific. This Professor Kobanski's work is amazing, but it's, it's very, it's technical. It's like every Shiva, when it started, how many tell me that every year, where do you get the money from? If it, if it, if it closed, why did it close? Where did they run away to during the war? It's extraordinary factors, no agenda there, and so on. But I don't know if people get the flavor of it. It's it's very hard. It's hard to just somewhere you can get the feel for a, for for people and a place, and 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 yet be built on the top in solid ground. I, I I am a little bit helpless on it, but I, I can. The one that came to mind was the John Rosenblum's works. Are he takes years and years. Frustrates greatly the people that hire him, but what he produces is something that he's gone through everything possible, interviewed everybody possible, and presents it in a way that you see a big picture with all the details being in place. Uh, and I don't know if you find things like that. I, I, I would be very happy to if you share it with me. Last question, and then we we'll open up the, the ground for some other questions. But if the Talmud comes up to Rebbe and says he doesn't feel anything in Ruchnius, not through his learning, not through his davening. Ex- express extreme frustration with that. What does Rebbe respond to Shatam? So I think we start with the other way. 
Um, what makes you feel spiritual? People have different avenues. In, it's like, today, it, it, it used to be that every gadget had its own switcher. I don't know what they're calling them. The, the, its own, uh, you know, uh, micro, uh, USB. Everyone has their own connection. Now it's all headed towards C, I think. That's like becoming the universal uh, plug. But there used to be like 10, 15 different types. In Ruchnius, it is like that. There are some people that are davening <coughs> will turn them on. There are some people that music will turn them on. There are some people just rolling up their sleeves and doing. It, it, it's not. It's not if they turn on luchaset. When they're busy doing for other people, they feel spiritually charged. They're people that have been learning. I remember there was a person who walked into our yeshiva once. He had a son. This person never learned any yeshiva in his life. Was from. He was a very famous husband. He grew up out of him, not in the United States. The person was a tremendous like Philip, tremendous heart, neshama. Never seen yeshiva, never seen learning, never seen anything like it. His son was learning, but he came to visit. Very nice person. And he walks in, looks around. So he asked me, if Rit was a language that was easy to name this, he said, Has and it was very fascinating because I remember my literature being saying noon if you say kesa 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 that does it I mean you, you learn a Rambam and, and, and Reb Chaim you're in Shemayim kesa kesa say kesa another time so you know so the answer is this one's plug was this and this one's plug was that the, the first question is what makes you feel better? What makes you feel, I mean, better in a sense, Ruchnius? And start with yourself. What's the key for you? Now, no matter what the key is for you, everyone needs to know something. Everyone needs to daven. Everyone needs to do things for other people. There's a minimal required, a, 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 a minimal requirement for every nutrient. But Lemaissa, um, each and every person and finding his sense and that's the different drachim in Yiddishkeit the difference between the different chassidus and the different yeshivas and the different movements in Kali Yisrael those that are terrorist movements all depend on this plug what plugs in there's a person that if he rolls up his sleeves and he's 25 hours a day working in Kali Yisrael he's misallowed tremendously it's, it's because that's his makam giving and helping and doing. Another person, okay, he'll do it, but he, he does it as an obligation, not as a piece. <coughs> Finding an akudas is, is, is on the long term going to be the, the way to plug in. Uh, If a person, a person, if a person is reading historical fiction because it gives you a better feel of the history, then we don't know much about, we know a lot about it, but we don't have any specific facts, and this helps you. So it's just like when you present math or physics with a story. Again, if the person's practices, I'm trying to learn about a certain tkufa, 
but I can't, I, the dry stuff is not going on, but this will give me a story which will help me. Then it's fine. First, I feel it's also, I want to get straight, reading the story as a relaxation, it's, it's not, it's not uh, an Avera, but a person has to be very clear, this is, this is, as a chill out, it's, it's not my chiyas, and therefore I need to, to, to minimize it, and to put it in its place. It's not adding value. People sleep. People take it easy. But but it, it first I ask what's the purpose of my reading this? How do you <coughs> I see Australians and disciplines don't go together. It's a, it's a <laughs> so let, let, it's a good point, a very good point. Something, for instance, let's give an example. Imagine somebody has great musical abilities, but he's lazy or he, he likes to hang around, and I push him and force him to take lessons, to practice, and so on. I'm right to anticipate that at some point, He'll really get into it when he's good at it. And because he's musical, he'll enjoy it and do tremendously. If a person is not musically inclined at all, but it's just for my covet, I wanted to play violin, the discipline is really going to be difficult. It's never, the discipline itself will never ignite the love. The reason why we push learning is for two reasons. One, most people, at some breakthrough point, it becomes ex- enjoyable. When you, when, you, when you have the requisite level of skill and maturity, for many people, walk in any yeshiva that's a serious yeshiva, you see the chiyas that people are learning. You say to yourself, I need to assume that it probably can happen. There's going to be a rough two or three years because just building up the skills and, and, the, and the discipline and so on. But if it's not going, <coughs> discipline itself is not going to do it. So if you have to do it, if you're not allowed to trade. So you have to discipline yourself. You have no choice. But in a, in, in a more general avoda, discipline is helpful because you have a deep-seated feeling that it will work out, and I just need to, to, to push myself a certain school for. Yes? Lots of folks here, modern, some of us from more public school background. In terms of more religious, I realize there's a very big cultural difference. I think one should, like, I guess, manage difference between, I guess, like it's more yeshivish, Haredi cultures, modern, and so on. Like, how does one, I guess, I want to inculcate, like, how does one, like, manage their interaction with these things as they try and grow? So, I think understanding a little bit about culture is important. Culture is not an accident. It's a certain expression of self. The dress, the music, the expressions, the mannerisms, are, are all outgrowths. A good psychologist will look at a person, even as chitzenius, and you can t- anybody, we intuitively look at a person and, and we try to grasp the person, how the person dressed, what are his wording, what are his mannerisms. So the different cultures exist. A lot of it is a product of the premius. And as a person, if a person feels that he's undergoing a transformation internally, then his culture will switch. 
um, now you have to be able to understand. I mean, someone who's been in one culture or another understands the other culture, understands other people are different. But the, the transition is not... If, if, it's, if it's correct, then it's coming from the fact that they're changing internally. Like I described before about the person said, you know, if I think like a mentor, if I look like a mentor, if I act like a why should I look like a mentor? The, the dress in, in the more traditional yeshivas was a reflection of a certain sobriety, a certain formality, a certain seriousness. It, 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 the, so it, it's a positive change if the culture is reflecting where the person really is. So if a person just puts on a shrimal and a bekisha because he wants to be more from, that's absurd. But if a person slowly gravitated in, 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 a, in a positive, for positive reason to see this, once you become part of it, you need to look the part. You know, that, that, it, in fact, you need to. It, it, it should be natural to you that you're part of that culture. One last question? Yeah. So there's a Rebbe in the that speaks about, like, I guess, influences and being around certain kids. And he says that, well, I can't hang out with this guy because he's a bad influence. But he mentions that, how do you know you are not a good influence and maybe that kid needs you to be around? But when do we know the time that, like, you really, it's very hard for you to be around? Obviously not, like, cut him out of your life. Like, you'll still be there for, for that, that person. But at the same time, like, it's, it's affecting your growth. And how do you know one, an appropriate way to handle the situation, and two, when it's appropriate to distance yourself and not, like, you know, surround, but also, you know, still be there. That's a very, very, I don't know the right way to say it. It's a, it's a very um, critical question. It's something that you're balancing at two extremes. In other words, your own growth and the other person being turned away. Forget about you helping the other person. If you tell a person, I can't be friends with you because you're not a good person, if there's any doubt, then they will confirm it and turn it over. If the per- whoever it is that's advising you, I am sure if he's a Rebbe Yeshiva here, he has the right understanding of how and what. And, and I think you can... I, I think... Again, and you can you, you doing it's a type of situation that needs somebody really to be there with you, and you want to think of it as at this junction, my personality and that personality. It's like there are many things in the in the world that are harmless and beneficial. When you combine them, they become an explosive. So it's just me because. I'm easily pulled in one direction, he easily pulls in another direction. The combination of the two doesn't work well. When I become the person I need to become, and he becomes the person, will we'll, we'll be, we'll be very well. But usually, my muscle, I speak to somebody who really went out of his way to do Kiru in ways that were really pushing the boundaries. And I told the person, when somebody is drowning, you toss him a line. What? When, when somebody's drowning, you toss the person a line. The further the person is, the longer of a line you toss him. But the longer of a line, you need a stronger anchor. And I said, your line that you're tossing so, so far, if the person grabs onto it, you have a good chance to go flying into the, into the, into the ocean with him. 
you need to know that you're anchored so well here. I'll tell you, I'll share a story with you. I once heard from a shliach, a chabad shliach. I was sitting next to chabad shliach at a simcha. I don't remember if there was a shliach in NYU and he wanted to go to Greenwich Village or vice versa. And the Rebbe told him no. If I, I, was, I asked him why. He said, the Rebbe told me that when you're in these places, you're going to drown there. The only reason why you stay above water because I'm holding on to you. But this is so far deep down, even I can't stretch that far and hold on to you. And it was very, very powerful. I, I, I was, it was a very fascinating insight. So you have to know yourself and understand a relationship, it's at two things. It's at a certain time of life, and it's a combination of both. It's, had you been different, it could have worked well. It's not that you're terrible, but just saying. So, and, and when, the, when things fall into place, Bez Hashem, it'll be a friendship it should be, based on what's right and good. Okay. <laughs>